Well, keep filling out the stories of the times that you got lost. I go back and I read every one of these comments, I promise, and I would love to hear some of your stories about when you found yourself lost. And actually, when we came up with this question, I was thinking, when was the last time that I got lost? And I couldn't remember. And then all of a sudden I realized it was just three months ago in November. And I think it was such a significant experience of getting lost that I might have just totally blocked it out of my actual memory. But now it's all coming rushing back to me because this was like for real lost, like GPS can't get us out of this one type of lost. Uh, and so I think I, now it's all coming back to me. But for a minute, I think I just totally forgotten that it happened. So in November, my husband JD and I decided that we would take a relatively safe trip to go up north in northern Arizona to go hiking at the Grand Canyon. We'd never seen the Grand Canyon. It was incredible. So we thought, let's do this. What I didn't know was that the Grand Canyon in northern Arizona is also a place where it can get very cold. And I had already booked what I thought was going to be glamping, a glamorous camping experience, in these, these tents out in Wander Camp in the middle of nowhere, not even right by the Grand Canyon. And I thought this is going to be so fun until I realized that it does get cold enough that it was going to be in single digits. And we were sleeping basically outside in this little tent. So we got some sleeping bags, we're ready to go. We're gearing up for this trip and we're thinking we can do this. It's only one night that we're gonna sleep outside in this freezing cold in the tent, but felt like outside to me. And so we get into the car and we put the, the wander camp in the GPS and we start driving. And it's basically like we're off-roading at first and it's snow, there's snow everywhere because surprise, it snows in Arizona. I didn't know that, I'm from Minnesota. Anyway, so we're driving through the snow and it's getting bumpier and bumpier and the trail that we're on is getting skinnier and skinnier. And I'm looking at my husband like, are we still having fun? Is this still an adventure? <laughs> we don't really know. And we're following our, our GPS to this address. And as we get closer and closer, it re we realize, I don't know where we are. And we hit the end of where the GPS has taken us. And there is no camp there. There is nothing there but trees. We are in the middle of nowhere and the sun is setting and we're not anywhere near where we're supposed to be, apparently, because the GPS just ended. It just went out off the grid. And so what we realize in this moment is, we need to turn around because it's getting dark and the GPS is actually gone. We can't find it. So we just turned the car around. My husband had to go to the bathroom. I'm like, hurry up. We got to go. It's going to get the sun's going down. We don't know where we're going. We turn around. We start driving our way out, just trying to follow the path that we went on the way in. Fortunately, my husband's brain remembers which way to go. And so he's like, I think it's this way. I think it's this way. And we come back out to the main road. Whew. And then I realize, oh, yeah. It actually said in the instructions not to follow the address, but to put in the GPS coordinates. And so we quickly found those, put them in the GPS. The GPS was back online. We were back on the grid and we made it to our, our campsite just as the sun went down. Now the rest of the night did not go as well because it was so cold. And the Sub-Zero sleeping, sleeping bag that Laura Rescorla gave to me was not cold, was not warm enough for how cold it was. But this was a fun adventure and all adventures are fun until they're not, right? <laughs> until you're having so much fun until something really unexpected happens and you get into this place where you're just lost. I, I think about it this way. I think that all of us love to explore or maybe most of us love to explore, but nobody likes to be lost. No one likes to get into this experience where you figure out that you're lost. So we're going through this conversation on the backstory, looking at the, the, the different the, the historical narrative genre of the Bible, the backstory of God, and we're looking at different themes. And the theme we're talking about today is this very thing we're talking about, this idea that it's deeply challenging to feel lost, to be searching, to be unsure of a way out of a situation that you're facing. In scripture, this, this feeling, this experience is represented in a theme often called the wilderness. The wilderness. 
This is, uh, in, in scripture, this is uh, a deeply desolate place. It's often referring to an actual physical place. It's also a deeply symbolic metaphor. The wilderness is often a place of trial, of testing, of searching, and an experience that sometimes feels like being lost in some way. The wilderness is a deep and repeated theme in the historical narratives. We see it from the beginning of scripture until the end. And as I'll explain today, it's not only in the genre of historical narrative, but also in the poetry and prophetic genres. So personally, I would say that I feel encouraged by the fact that the wilderness is such a pervasive theme in scripture, which might seem like an odd thing to say about a place that represents a desolate place of trial. Okay, why is that encouraging? But it encourages me because I so often feel like so much of my life feels like a wilderness experience. Maybe you do too. So the fact that the wilderness is pervasive in the big God story helps me feel seen and known because the wilderness is so pervasive in my life and in the lives of the people around me. Perhaps you feel like you are or you have experienced a wilderness season in your life. Certainly this health crisis that we're in is a form of a wilderness experience that we're experiencing as humanity right now in the world. Sometimes I've noticed that it's just certain aspects of my life that feel like a wilderness experience, that, that certain parts of my life are kind of peaceful, but then there's this one part of my life and it's such a wilderness, I feel lost, feels desolate, I'm searching, different types of language I might use for that time. Are you experiencing that in part of your life right now? Like a wilderness experience, a time of searching or uncertainty or suffering? What has that been like for you? What emotions has that brought up? As we talk about this theme, there's something important that I hope we can discover together, and that's this, that there is more to be found in the wilderness than merely a way out. There is more to be found in the wilderness than merely finding a way out. So as we talk about this theme, uh, if I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the wilderness seasons in your life now or in the past. As we look at how this theme plays itself out in the Bible, what has it been like for you? Just reflect on that as we go. The theme is found in the meta-narrative, like I said, the meta-narrative meaning the big God story, the story of God that we see in scripture. We see it as a thread throughout the whole story, but also as smaller stories that have wilderness experiences within them. So take a look at this diagram. You'll see here on this diagram, we've got the four parts. If you've been with us, you know we're talking about the meta-narrative or God's big story in four main plot themes. Creation, disruption, redemption, and restoration. We see the plot shift from creation Disruption, redemption, and restoration. Now, if you look at this storyline, you'll see that, that this meta-narrative is actually a big wilderness meta-narrative of a storyline. It starts out in the garden, in creation, where God is with the people, but then the humans decide to make their own decisions and, and to disobey God and to go in a different direction, and that disrupts everything, and they are led into the wilderness, literally, but also spiritually. And then we see the redemption part of the story, which is most of the big God story, as we've talked about in the past. And this is all a story about finding purpose and meaning in the wilderness. In a lot of ways, the people of God are in a wilderness in some form that entire time. And God is finding purpose in that wilderness and is bringing redemption in the midst of it. And then we see in the final chapter of the story, the story of restoration, that the people, humanity, we are led out of the wilderness and into the new creation. And the new creation is kind of like, like the garden except better. It's like we're back to the garden except even better than it was in the first place. And so you see in this, this entire storyline that the storyline of God is a storyline where wilderness is at the center, is at the core. It's not the beginning, it's not the end, but it's a lot of the messy middle. But now let's look at this again. 
Because also inside of this big storyline, we've got these smaller storylines that are wilderness storylines. We've got Adam and Eve being sent into the wilderness, as I just said. But you've also got a very common story that many people talk about in the Exodus, where the people of God are led out of Egypt and they're led into the wilderness. And they're in the wilderness for 40 years. In the Psalms, there's poems about wilderness experiences, and the psalmist is being honest about what it feels like to experience the wilderness. And then you've got prophets like Isaiah giving hope beyond the wilderness, which we'll look at today. And then you have Jesus himself, who is tested in the wilderness before he goes into his ministry. And so you've got this big storyline of wilderness, but little smaller storylines within it. Another thing to take note of when it comes to this theme of wilderness is that you hear the number 40 a lot. Number 40 is used to symbolize this idea of a time of wilderness, a time of testing, a time of trial. So whenever you hear that in the Bible, remember that, that this is a symbol in Scripture, this number, for a time of trial, a time of wilderness. For instance, it rained for 40 days in the flood. Uh, Moses lived in the desert for 40 days before he came back to Egypt to lead the people out. When the Israelites, like I said, are led out of Egypt, they're in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai for 40 days to spend time with God. And Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days preparing for his ministry. And so this is why in the church calendar season that we call Lent, that we were talking about earlier, it's 40 days. Because it's a tradition that has formed from, intentionally from this concept that we see in the big God story. Lent in many ways is choosing intentionally to have a wilderness experience. Which kind of seems like, well, why would you do that? But it's because a wilderness experience, a space where you're let out of your normal space and you're letting go of something, this desolation of letting go of things, is a place of surrender, which might feel like a wasteland, but then as you're in this place where something, something is cleared out or th things are taken away, you realize you're ready to receive something that God might have for you. This is at the heart of what the, the practice of Lent is all about. It doesn't need to be about fasting from food. It's just an attempt to take 40 days out of your normal routine, to take yourself out of the space, <laughs> into a wide open different space, metaphorically, sometimes physically, and to say, what is it that God might have for me? To mirror Moses spending 40 days with God or to be like Jesus going out into the wilderness and fasting in 40 days in preparation for his ministry. It's not about legalism, but rather an invitation to press into this reality that sometimes there is more to be found in the wilderness than merely a way out. And so people sometimes choose to practice Lent. And maybe you didn't this year, but as you think about it next year, okay, this is what this is like, to choose to say, I'm going to step into this space and see if there's more that God might have for me in this time of fasting or letting go of something than merely just a way to get out of it or can I get through it. Even if a wilderness experience that you choose, like fasting for something from Lent, is difficult, what is it that God might have for you in that, in that space? So perhaps what's most important for us to accept is that when we look at this big God story, we've talked about how we're in the messy middle in the redemption part of the story. That messy middle redemption part of the story is a place where the wilderness will always be a part of life, which I think is kind of tough to accept sometimes. But God sees us, and God's promise, as we see at the end of the story, is that we will be led out of the wilderness for good. That even though that's a, a theme that's pervasive in so many of our lives and the lives of people around us, that our future hope is that the wilderness comes to an end. The future hope, the end of the story, is not wilderness. In the meantime, there's more to be found in the wilderness than merely a way out. I want to zoom in for a minute on Isaiah 43. Now, this is a passage that we've looked at before, 
Um, but it's a great example of what we're talking about here where this theme is being brought out by Isaiah, this prophet, and he's speaking words that God has put in his, in his mind and heart to speak on behalf of God, okay? And so listen to, in Isaiah 43, 18 through 21, listen to what God says through the prophet Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. What do we notice here in God's words through the prophet Isaiah? Verse 19, God makes a way in the wilderness. Not a way around it, but a way through when you're in it. Verse 20, good things can be found in the wilderness. Here in verse 20, talking about streams and, and this ability to find the water when you're thirsty, which is what you'd feel in a wasteland, right? Later on in the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, Jesus talks about how he offers a water that would make it so you're never thirsty again. He's bringing up this theme that you see here of what it looks like for God to make a way in the wilderness. Verse 21, even in the wilderness, there's reasons to praise God. They may proclaim my praise, God says through Isaiah. Here in Isaiah and other places that the prophets speak about the wilderness, they're highlighting this truth for us today. There's more to be found in the wilderness than merely a way out. But I have to tell you, when I find myself in a wilderness experience, I want to get the heck out of there. I am looking right away for, for how I can get out. Where's the exit? Can we move towards that? It's just like being stuck literally off the grid in northern Arizona without my GPS. I don't like how that feels. I want to get back where we know where we're going. I don't like being lost. I don't like being in the wilderness. But what if there is something that we're missing by assuming that all we can do is look for a way out? The people in the wilderness, after they had the exodus from Egypt, they just can't wait to get out of the wilderness. So much so that they repeatedly over and over are complaining about their experience and they would rather go back to Egypt where they were slaves. But there were lessons that God taught them while they were in the wilderness. How to follow God every single day and to look for what God is doing and where God is moving. How to rely on God and trust God's provision and not just their own. Learning more and more about the purpose that God had for them as the people of God. Here's what's true in the wilderness stories in scripture. God is the one who leads the people into the wilderness. God is present in the wilderness. And God is the one who leads people out of the wilderness. Even Jesus was led into the wilderness by God, by the Spirit. It says in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. God leads the Israelites out of Egypt and into the wilderness. God is with them in the wilderness. And God is the one who finally leads them out. Not even the original leader, Moses. God is the one who leads people into the wilderness, God is present in the wilderness, and God is the one who leads people out of the wilderness. God's story shows us that purpose can be found in the wilderness because God is there. Even though wilderness experiences are, are difficult for us, the truth is, is that I don't think they're caused by God all the time, but there is purpose that God always has in those wilderness experiences. God leads us in, through, and eventually out of wilderness experiences in our lives. So there must be more to be found in the wilderness than merely a way out. When we think about the backstory of God and God's people and their wilderness and the, their wilderness experience in this exodus, they're being held captive by the Egyptians 
as slaves, but then God frees them and leads them out of Egypt. My friend Joe often says about this story, she says, by parting the sea, God led the people out of Egypt in just one day, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. God loves us enough to want us to leave some things behind. Egypt represents captivity. It represents things that hold us back. The word often used in Hebrew for Egypt literally means the narrow place. It's this place where you're being held back from expanding. And and there's some things that God wants us to leave behind because God loves us enough to want us to leave those things behind, things that hold us back from all that God wants for us. And it says here in the story that God's people expanded, that there was more of them. The Israelites literally expanded the number of people and the narrow place could no longer hold them. Often the wilderness is needed for our lives, metaphorically, because we've expanded as people, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, and we can't stay in the narrow place any longer. But it's vulnerable when you get out into the open, isn't it? And perhaps you could feel a little lost. But there's so much to be learned in the wilderness. And sometimes the things that held us back take a while for us to let go of them, to to surrender. It takes a little while to get them out of us. So while I don't blame you, I don't blame myself, when all I can think of when I'm in the wilderness is how to get out of there, what's important is that we don't miss what God may be doing within the wilderness. So as challenging as it may be, God invites us to see what God might be doing in the wilderness experiences of our lives. In a minute, I'm going to give just a little bit of space for us to reflect on this reality. What is it that God might be doing in the wilderness? And so I've got just three questions we can ask ourselves. What might God, why might God have led you into the wilderness, into, into this wilderness time? What do you see God doing in the wilderness? And what might you learn before you are led out? What might, why might God have led you into the, this wilderness time? What do you see God doing in the wilderness? And what might you learn before you are led out? Whether you're reflecting on a time you're experiencing now or one in recent memory. I remember a season of my life which felt like a wilderness. I was experiencing a lot of suffering relationally and it was so difficult and I just wanted a way out so badly. It was a really tough time and I just, I felt like God wasn't hearing my prayers. I couldn't understand why wouldn't God just fix this situation so I didn't have to experience this anymore. And I remember one time during this difficult wilderness time in my life, I knelt down next to my bed to pray and I thought, you know what? Maybe, I don't know, this is like the ultimate prayer posture, right? Like kneeling down by your bed. Maybe God will hear me this time. And I just prayed again like I had so many times that God would just fix the situation because I just wanted to get out of this wilderness. And I felt like I knew the solution. Why didn't God see the solution? Couldn't God just fix this? And I was so stuck on telling God how it should go, how God could get me out of this trial, out of this wasteland, out of this feeling of wilderness. And I started crying because I was so frustrated. And all of a sudden, I couldn't pray any more kind of polite, like, God, would you please fix this prayers? Like, those prayers were gone. I didn't have any more of those words. And I out loud, I cried, God, you know you could fix this. Why are you letting me experience this? And I slammed my fist on the bed. Why would you let me go through this? I kept saying over and over, and then I stopped. And I've never heard God's voice audibly in my life. But What I felt deep in my spirit as I asked this question, why? I felt like I heard this phrase from God, because I love you. And I was like, but, but, but if you love me, you could just, you could just, but I love you. You need to trust me. I love you. You need to trust me. And and I couldn't hear that audibly, but it's like I couldn't let those words leave me. 
And now I look back, hindsight bias, and it was a good thing that God didn't fix that situation the way I had been asking. I'm sure you could say the same thing about some prayers in your life. Oh, well, it's good that it didn't go the way I thought I wanted it to go. But I wouldn't change what I learned from that time for anything. I still don't understand why it had to be that hard. But when I ask people in conversations to look back on their life and to tell me what impacted their relationship with God the most, time and time again, people describe a wilderness experience where they learned to trust God more than they thought they ever could. The Holy Spirit taught me so much in, the different, in that wilderness season and the different wilderness seasons of my life. I don't really know how else I would have learned some of these things. And I almost hate to admit that because I wish it didn't have to be so hard. But I've experienced peace on the other side of anxiety. Trust when I've been able to let go of certainty. Resilience that goes way deeper than suffering. Meaningful solitude on the other side of desperate loneliness. God loves us enough to want us to let go of what's holding us back and to leave it behind us. The purpose that can be found in the wilderness is leaving behind what God knows we no longer need to carry. So back to these questions to reflect on. Why might God have led you into this wilderness time? What do you see God doing in the wilderness? What might you learn before you are led out? Ashish wrote a song in a wilderness season of his life, and I asked him if we could share it this morning as a space just to reflect on these questions. The promise of these lyrics that Ashish wrote is that God is present in the wilderness. Whether you feel God's presence or not, God is with you. And so as you listen, consider your own wilderness season, maybe now or recently in the past, and ask these questions. Why might God have led you into this wilderness time? What do you see God doing in the wilderness? What might you learn before you are let out? When hope seems like a grave mistake When all my plans crash and break Through the pain I see your beauty A loving hand that'll never leave And when each break Cut swiftly to the core The shattered pieces rise insecure Yet in grace you feel my sorrow And lovingly point to the sparrow For you are Steady in the silence You are Constant in the change And when I feel the world is caving You still hold me in your hands Oh Lord You're steady in the silence Oh Lord Steady in the silence Whoa. 
when my doubt seems greater than your strength when my bones ache from burdens tense and when i feel like i've given my best you are steadfast in times of request you are steady in silence you are constant in the change and when i feel the world is caving you still hold me in your hands oh lord steady in silence oh lord steady in silence you're my shield and defender my loving savior my hope my peace when I'm desperate for favor the one who's my helper will never leave so why should I worry you're my shield and defender my loving savior my hope and my peace when I'm desperate for favor the one who's my helper will never leave so why should I worry you are steady in the silence you are constant in the change and when i feel the world is caving you still hold me in your hands oh lord you steady in the silence oh for you are steady in the silence you are constant in the change and when i feel the world is caving you still hold me in your hands oh lord you're steady in the silence oh lord you're steady in the silence struggling to see God truly present in the wilderness, you are not alone. After communion, we're going to sing a song that is a prayer asking God, please, to meet us wherever we find ourselves. God can meet us in the wilderness, in the mountaintops, in the valleys, everything from the mundane to the amazing, God can be there. And there are times when we need to desperately cry out asking for God to show us where are you? in this wilderness time. In every season of life, we can pray for more awareness of God's presence with us. 
we can pray, come Holy Spirit. And wherever you are, you'll be able to sing what we will sing later, that the Lord is in this place. As we're in our homes all over the city, some of you in other parts of the country, in this moment, we can say to God, Holy Spirit, come. And we know that wherever we are, God's Spirit is there. The Lord is in this place. Jesus knows what it's like to be in a wilderness. Jesus knows what it's like to feel forsaken and to feel far from the loving presence of God. But then we see in this story that God's purposes through Jesus made a way for us all to live forgiven. Even though Jesus as a human had to experience these wilderness seasons of life. There is purpose to be found in the wilderness. God always has purpose for the wilderness seasons of life. Let's pray that God would give us an awareness of the purpose that God might have in the seasons of life that we find ourselves in now.